Are you electrified about transforming the world of storytelling? Immerse yourself in frontier storytelling from SR Media. Learn from artists, business leaders, and entrepreneurs making an impact with Frontier Tech from AI to VR chat. Our Frontier Storytelling guests will inspire you to transform how you create, live, and work. I'm your host, Steve Ramos. Join us on the new frontier. The 79th Venice International Film Festival opens to the public Thursday, September 1st. And while there'll be plenty of attention on the red carpet, like high-profile films, Don't Worry Darling, featuring singer Harry Styles, and White Noise with actor Adam Driver, across the canal, the world's oldest and most prestigious film festival firmly has their grasp on future storytelling via the Venice Immersive section. 43 immersive projects from 19 countries are making their world premiere through September 10th. One of those projects is Framerate, Pulse of the Earth, co-created by the artist, data scientists, and architects, Matthew Shaw and William Trossel. Matt and William join us after the press preview today at Venice. Thank you for joining us on Frontier Storytelling. Thank you for having us. It's lovely to come to you direct from Canal Side in Venice. <laughs> Thank you for joining us from Canal Side. Immersive storytelling projects like Framer 8, Pulse of the Earth, the feedback you get from attendees is golden. How do they interact with the work? How do they, how much time do they spend with it? What makes the impact? At this world premiere at the Venice Film Festival, what did you learn from press attendees at today's event? Frame Rate Pulse of the Earth is an immersive installation and our audience members disappear inside a darkened room and they're surrounded by eight enormous screens which hover above, below and around them. Our background, although we're here um, at a film festival, our background's in architecture and for us it's all about spatializing this filmic content and giving our audiences the opportunity to move through a space to interact with the, the work on their terms, really. I'd like to think that the, the piece that we're presenting is, is quite generous in, in that respect. Like People have a lot of agency to spend time with certain shots and to use their body to kind of um, position themselves in relation to the, to the work. Matt and William, you talk about the use of terabytes of data that provide the foundational work for frame rate. You know, many of us, we interact with data in a much different way around analytics, in the use of sales to sell more things, more products, more services. Or people think of data in the ways that big tech companies follow their behaviors on the web and with their phones. You use data for the purpose of beauty. How do you see and use data differently? What's really incredible with these point cloud formats is that they're not only a scientifically accurate and precise data set, but they are just incredibly beautiful to, to our eyes. Um, we've often delivered these spatial measurements as points, which can be put into Excel, into columns. You know, each point for us has an X, Y, and Z position in space. So this can just be three numbers and three cells. So 
for our work with uh, CI scientists from Cambridge, we just delivered them some really big Excel spreadsheets. And uh, that was baffling to us that we could deliver science through Excel and then have data sets that were just so beautiful, we could turn them into art. So they were this, this incredible communication tool that both science and art. And I think we just loved being in that, that position between those two. You may be thinking why framerate artist Matt William and I are talking about data. It's because data can inspire all of us regarding how we create, live, and work. Don't take my word for it. Let's learn more from Matt and William. It's working with a totally new medium and our sort of spatial brains in uh, architectural training just helps us navigate through that data and, and pull out new kind of cinematic experiences. So for us here, it's been beautiful showing a whole bunch of very switched on and clever and sort of on the tip of the tongue of all sorts of amazing things, uh, people, because they just have a really interesting insight into what's going on and looking forward to the future of mediums like VR and AR and where they are driving Matt and William, you and your fellow immersive Venice artists are changing how audiences experience cinema. What are some of the technology-pushing elements driving how people experience frame rate, pulse of the earth at Venice? For us more generally at ScanLab, we're trying to think what's photography and what's filmmaking and, and what's a camera going to be like in five years' time, in 10 years' time. And for us, the immediate answer to that is that it's not going to make 2D content anymore. It's going to make 3D content. And people who experience image and, and moving image content are going to expect it to have a three-dimensionality and an interactivity. That's not just our belief as a studio. That, that's happening in practice, but in surprising ways. So like autonomous vehicles are documenting the world every time they drive down a the street. They're documenting the world in 3D. And your mobile phone is starting to document the spaces around you in 3D as well. And so although those aren't immediate storytelling and kind of um, public message delivering ways of recording the world, um, the world is being recorded in 3D. And these are the archives that are being made by the technology of now and I guess um, and the technology of the future. And I guess what Scanlab tries to do is make that human readable, make that beautiful, make that um, accessible to the eyes and, and ears of an audience. And... Um, and I, and I guess two two things like glimpse into that future that's a much more that, that's documented in a much higher three dimensional fidelity than we're accustomed to right now, but also use the uniqueness of these ways of seeing the world to get into people's brains in a kind of slightly unique way. So when you look at frame rate, you recognise the scenes as a beach and a flower garden and a beach, but yet you're able to behave inside them and with them in a way that's kind of slightly unexpected so they're believable but they're also doing something new and that's an interesting space to be in when you want to kind of shift people's perspectives the mainstream films at all festivals including venice whether white noise or don't worry baby they have very specific goals they want strong festival reviews good feedback and word of mouth to increase their chance of box office success it's different for interactive and immersive works like Frame Rate. I imagine your Venice goals are different. What are you hoping to gain from Venice this week? We would just love to keep creating work like this and uh, in Frame Rate as a body of its own work to keep evolving and creating more from it. 
the data that we collect at ScanLab, you know, that three-dimensional key element to it is a fundamental layer to a whole bunch of things that are beginning to really take up augmented reality. You know, super accurate mapping where the outside needs to be as mapped and as detailed as our world. For us, you know, I would love to keep creating frame rate and for this to, to get some momentum and for it to continue and get bigger and to reach more people. Like Will's mentioned, think of some of the places out there that you could apply the frame rate technique to. Melting glaciers, desertification, like whole new cities erupting out of the desert over the course of five years. Like this is a, we're trying to turn people's attention towards global issues here. And we've done that in, um, in some relatively small parts of the British countryside and cityscapes at the moment. But yeah, there's a, there's a globe out there that we'd love to have the opportunity to venture towards. Matt and William, I'm listening to you and you're describing this idea of taking frame rate around the world, almost like a classic roadshow but you're not traveling with it. I guess what I would describe as open source, allowing other creators to create their versions of a frame rate. That's incredible. Tell me more about that. Another thing that the pandemic has taught us over the last two years is that we're able to train up local teams in the technique and the technology and help them skill themselves and then for them to do the work that we don't need to send our team around the world. We can make little pockets of ScanLab around the world and get them to, to send data back. That's a really interesting thing that we've had to do in the pandemic, which we'd love to really keep expanding. We'll be releasing some of our data sets shortly. Um, they're being peer-reviewed currently because I think there is some really important science to be found and some unexpected, very exciting moment creatively as well. So we're excited to engage with the world instead of sort of more protective over the technique or the process and have it more generalized. And the same is true in, like Will Center did this, in the way that we treat the data sets as well. They might be precious to us as artworks, but they can mean a lot to scientists who can make some fundamental discoveries. So we're, we're going to hand them out to free for the right scientists to do exciting um, research with. And we're trying to live by the bigger principles of the project, I guess, as much as we can. There are three monikers that describe your roles as storytellers. I've read that people describe you as filmmakers. They describe you as data scientists. And you even describe yourself as scanning experts. But how do you describe your roles? Do you choose one of those titles over the others? It changes um, <laughs> a, a bit. I mean, I, get, I guess from an outside perspective, yeah, we can, we can represent as a whole bunch of different things. I don't know. Th th these aren't necessarily um, professions out there, but I think the element of craft is crucial to what we do. I think it's something that we learn in architecture school and that's been a part of architecture for a long time. It's like mastering a technology and mastering a craft means that you know how to use it to its absolute extreme, but you also know its breaking points. So if, if being craftspeople is one thing that I think the people in our studio are, then also being um, experimenters and, and willing to experiment and willing to kind of break the technology and, and find all the kind of um, exciting creative accidents that happen just at the moment when a technology is about to break. Um, so we might be craftspeople, we might be experimenters. And I think that goes back to the history of photography, like you were just saying as well, you know, I mean, you can't look at somebody like Mybridge, who, 
sending firecrackers at chickens and not see the experimental kind of, um, you know, even element of kind of cheekiness and humor to setting up a test and seeing what happens. You know, that's all, that's, that's what it's all about, really, not just in the making of the work, but in the delivery and sharing of it with our audience, sending a firecracker into a bunch of chickens, so to speak, you know? Commercial films come from controlled collaboration. What I mean is they are edited, rehearsed, and tested before playing in front of audiences, even at Venice. You speak of accidents and surprises as necessary elements for the visual beauty of frame rate. What roles do accidents and surprises play in your work? Behind a lot of our work, I think there's a genuine curiosity and a lot of feelings that drive what we're excited by our delights. And some of those can be driven by interest in just trying to understand what's going on. But also there is, with a lot of technology, that, oh, wow, or that, like, I'd never seen that before, or that, oh my God, I feel so connected with that. Like, I can see how that would do this, or, you know, I can imagine how that would be in my house. And I think that's something that we really love, being able to connect with people, being able to delight. And I think scanning is also uh, an aesthetic and a medium which unlocks people. You know, it's not something everyone's seen. And so they're immediately going, what? Ooh, what, what, this is interesting. Well, I've never seen this before. And that helps open them up to all sorts of interesting messages that we can put in there. Are you wondering why I asked frame rate artists Matthew and William about the roles of accidents and surprises in their work? It's because incorporating accidents transforms storytelling. It impacts our world. Let's listen and learn more from Matt and William. It creates a greater sense of interconnectivity or interaction with the audience or the attendees of the experience, right? There's no repetition. There's no redundance. If they walk through it one time, two times, five times, half a dozen times over the course of the Venice Film Festival, every experience is going to be different. There's going to be a new surprise. There's perhaps going to be a new accidental experience of something they hear or see for the first time. Yeah, and I think you've got to applaud the generosity of the curators, Liz and Michelle, in that regard, you know, like lots of these works are taking massive risks. You know, it's not just frame rate has never been guaranteed success from the moment it started. You know, we have to build all of the technology to make it, um, build it well enough to take it into production. And, you know, it, it's test, test, test. And it's, um, it's experiment and, and gamble. And that's not just true of our studio, you know. A lot of the studios here to to make really groundbreaking stuff are taking enormous risk all the time. And I guess when you're dealing with some of the films that are on the red carpet around the corner, like they're in a production industry where it's been de-risked, right? Because the finances involved are so great and the returns can be so enormous that my guess, I mean, I'm not from a film background, but my guess is that there's a bunch of de-risking that goes on in there, like putting a massive celebrity in something de-risks it. And maybe our world and maybe what's going on on the island here is actually existing in this quite lucky space at the moment where like risk is still pretty abundant and that leads to beautiful things traditional films they generate word of mouth people share with their friends or family that they love this movie and they should go see it and maybe they'll go see it a second or third or fourth time with them interactive works like frame rate pulse of the earth 
the immersive nature means that it doesn't generate just word of mouth. It generates a call to action. There's a line um, that we always say about FrameRate, which is um, that we invite people to think and feel on another time scale, geological time, seasonal time, tidal time. That's it. You know, we hope to bring people out of the hustle and bustle of daily life to encourage them to, to think on a different time scale. And that might mean, yeah, thinking deeper about our relationship as a species to the planet and their individual impact on, on the world. I, there isn't a precise call to action, you know. It's much deeper and kind of more fundamental in a way that we're going for. That sounds pretty grandiose, right? We're not going to fundamentally change everybody's perspectives. It's a subtle shift in everything that we're, we're looking at here rather than a specific single action. There are some moments actually where frame rate where you kind of realize, well, actually, this is a problem and we're, we're really highlighting it without that doom and gloom. But at every stage in the frame rate production process, we have been forensic in the way that we've interrogated its impact from the way that we have gone out data collecting. We have accounted for every single kilogram of carbon that's been used in the making of. And we've not just accounted for it, but over the course of the three and a half years of making, we've dramatically improved the impact that the project makes. When we first scanned in Norfolk, we went about it in the way that we would do as a normal project. When we went about scanning two years later in Glasgow, we managed to cut the day-to-day emissions by 80% with the way that we did that. And we're publishing the data about the, the way that we've, we've done that alongside the, the artwork. Will, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on Frontier Storytelling. Best of luck with the Venice International Film Festival and best of luck with the world premiere frame rate. We really appreciate it. And congratulations once again. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Love you to me. Thank you for joining Frontier Storytelling. Listen for episodes every other Thursday. Become a member of the Frontier Storytelling tribe. Share our episodes with friends, write a review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Frontier Storytelling comes from SR Media and Studio D Podcast Production. Schedule a meeting to learn how our story-building tools can grow your brand. I'm your host, Steve Ramos. Join us on the new frontier.